in an IoT ecosystem, you can interconnect multiple devices to the internet and to each other to process data and transmit it over the network. From controlling a home network to those that power gas lines, it is this connectivity to the internet that makes IoT devices vulnerable to intrusion. It is estimated that 1.5 billion IoT breaches occurred between January to June of 2021, most using the Telnet Remote Access Protocol used by network admins to access and manage network devices remotely. In today's podcast for Future IoT, we have with us Kamal Brar, Vice President and General Manager, Asia Pacific and Japan at Rubric to talk about these very same issues. Kamal, welcome to podcast for Future IoT. Alan, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's start off. What makes IoT devices a valuable target for threat actors? Yeah, I think that's an interesting perspective here. Um, So if you think about the number of IoT devices that we live in today, I think over 75 billion devices connect across our domain and ecosystems from intelligent smart sensors to even, you know, intelligent devices or smart devices, even including our television sets for that matter. So, you know, there's a number of devices that we live around today, which is encompassing in our society, in our lifestyles. So it becomes a very easy um, area to go and attack. And obviously it's generally when you think about IoT, we, we configure and we live in an environment where it's automated and it requires very little intervention. So in that scenario, we tend not to check things. We tend not to update patches or update the relevant devices. You think of the scenario in terms of medical, which is usually a good one. You know, many medical devices that we see in the hospitals today are running on legacy platforms, running on legacy software, which makes it an easy target. And generally, Alan, what we see is these become a great entry point to actually for ransomware and malware attacks and they sit idle and then become an entry point to a larger exploit effectively for the bad actors. So I think generally, depending on where we're talking about in terms of the IoT devices, the nature of the devices and the complexity of the ecosystem, it varies. It's an obvious place for everyone to go look at given the simplicity and, and the, the fact that it's so integral to our lifestyles. I mean, I think there was a ransomware flocker which moved from an Android phone to TV. So it's been it's been widespread in and uh, of course, um, not everyone sees this uh, depending on the type of, as I said, the type of systems and, and ecosystems they're, in, they're kind of living around. But having identified that the security is a major issue for IOTs, there's this word that came out recently that I didn't realize and well, it caught my interest anyway. It's called identity of things. First off, can you tell us what identity of things is and how does it play a role in protecting IOT devices? Yeah, ultimately, if you think about identity, it's really relating to the actual verification or validation of a trusted person or individual or a device. So in the context of IoT, the challenge, of course, Alan, is when you look at the IoT environment, this could be a very simple environment. It could be a single device. It could be a very large, complex environment where you have multiple IoTs or sensors and complex domains working together to operate a large, complex environment or domain. So depending on the type of environment, but essentially what we're thinking about about here is how do we validate and identify and trust that device? So when you look at identity of things or identity of IoT, really that's how we're referencing to how do we authenticate, verify, and trust a device on the network, which is actually meant to be doing what it's meant to be, you know, potentially controlling. So again, just giving you some scenarios here, like if you're looking at a, a manufacturing plant where there was a physical sensor which was collecting data and that data had to interact and make decisions with some type of control system, again, that sensor or the device 
device would have to work correctly for those systems to operate and be functionally um, effective. So having that validation or the trust in that device is critical. If that sensor is is in somehow shape or form compromised, then it becomes very difficult for that, that system to operate. Uh, a real life example of that recently happened with Colonial Pipeline, as you was, I'm sure most of the listeners have, have heard about it, was a large scale ransomware attack where in their case, they're effectively impacted. And then of course, weren't able to provide the operational infrastructure needed to go to operate in the US. So, so that's an example where the systems were encrypted. And of course, with that, they had no control. So if you think about that identity aspect and, and ensuring trust in the network, that's really what we're trying to solve for there and making sure that you have secure devices, which aren't operating rogue, aren't compromising on data, aren't actually sitting idle and collecting and misusing that information to effectively cripple the operational aspects of the system. If I may ask, for a lot of organizations, especially those responsible for devices, IoT devices in this case, that usually it's not the it's not the quote unquote the responsibility of IT and the CIO for the benefit of our audience. Maybe you can elaborate to us how do threat actors exploit IoT devices, both through the use of this, uh, as you mentioned, this identity of things. Yeah, so if you think of IoT, at the core of it, what you're trying to do is really, if you think of a sensor or any type of IoT environment, you're usually in the process of gathering data, right? So you're going to be able to get data about the environment, whether it's in a physical connection and understanding the physical elements, or even in terms of any other sensor where you're collecting information. So that in itself becomes important in terms of the type of data and information you're capturing. As I kind of alluded to, when it becomes complex and you have multiple environments or multiple sensors coordinating together to make a decision, that's where it becomes a a larger problem. If you think about ultimately the areas of attack, generally what tends to happen is there's three areas. One is the devices themselves can be encrypted or potentially the firmware or physical interface, even the network interfaces can can be compromised, right? So that's the most obvious way is, you know, if you have an outdated firmware or you have an outdated software stack, that becomes a, a, a general problem. But even on the communication channels if you think about the channels and the protocols that the devices communicate if you were to if you're able to compromise those in some way shape or form for example a denial of service or a spoofing of the network that becomes another area where you know you're able to compromise on that device and its function on that device and of course the last part which is really important when we think about taking this information or taking that data where it's collecting to make decisions if you're able to then somehow exploit the applications generally some of these devices will have a smaller footprint or a smaller uh, web-based app deployed or may connect to another hub which may have the devices and the apps you then can be exploited with credentials right so if you're using credentials to connect between the sensors and a central for example a database then you're potentially compromising the application security layer so i think they're the three areas that i when i think about iot the devices themselves can obviously be compromised the network protocols uh, are, are critical to it and then third parties you generally how they interact interact with an application, whether it's a database or, or, or a central application uh, or a web app. That's kind of how they tend to be compromised in, in, in short. More recently, we've started to hear the word zero trust, uh, which is really a framework more than technology, being pushed into the space of security. What makes zero trust important or relevant for protecting IoT devices? 
Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about zero trust, the core three principles around the zero trust framework foundation that even Rubrik as a company we we endorse are based on essentially having a verified never trust. I mean, so you always validate and authorize any device, right? So essentially you never trust a single device on the network. Historically, if you think about it, what tends to happen in the IoT domain is once you're successfully authenticated, we would trust that device. In a zero trust world, there's no concept of trust always. It's verify and validate always. So you're always in the process of reconfirming that is the device the right device? Is it the right, you know, obviously authentication, etc. So the zero, that's a very important part of zero trust, right? That you always want to verify and authenticate and, and never really trust a device permanently. Um, the other part is really understanding the contextual information. So in a zero trust foundation, you know, you want to be able to provide contextual information. So for example, if you're in a IoT and there's zones, multiple zones on how those IoT devices operate together to provide a um, operational um, outcome, you want to understand the contextual information on what those devices are doing to being able to have that outcome. So in essence, if I'm having a three-phase deployment across my power generation, I want to understand exactly which parts or which zones of those devices are actually functional to do what parts of that of that delivery of three phases. So I can really understand the blast radius or the impact, potential impact that I ought to have if I was compromised. So that's a very important part of, again, the zero trust um, framework. So the third part is really around automation and how quickly can you recover from a potential threat or a uh, you know exploit and what is your response and how can you automate that response as much as possible. So if you kind of think through those three points I've just made, one is you never trust a device where, as we've done in the legacy days where you authenticate once and you're trusted. You always trust, but you always verify and validate those devices. The second part is really understanding the blast radius or the potential impact that I may have related to these devices or this service if it's taken out. And then third, of course, is trying to provide automated response to being able to recover if the blast radius was expanded. And that's where it becomes complex if you think about the IoT devices. Because the configuration management is large and it's complex across generally the environment, depending on how big it is, that's an area where many customers get it wrong. And, and that's where we've seen many attacks, unfortunately, fold because it's a very obvious entry point. Many of these bad actors have software which exploits it, sits idle for many months, and then will generally encrypt or even potentially leak that information, as I said, and, and compromise the backend systems, which is what they really want. Because the sensors themselves may not have a lot of data which is useful or may have a lot of raw data which is difficult to interpretate. But if you're able to use these as an entry point and then get to the core systems or a database or a web application, that's where it becomes a problematic scenario. Uh, and especially in control systems, you know, that's a challenge. How can behavior analysis detect threats in IoT networks, given, as you say, some of them are probably very rudimentary devices and pinging something or sending a, a small piece of data back to the core? This is an area where we see continued evolution from a technology standpoint. I think ultimately everyone has slightly different approach. You know, a lot of people spend time focusing on perimeter security. Some focus on the application hardening, data security. Ultimately, I guess, you know, from a behavior standpoint, what you want to look at is end-to-end, right? Is there a way to capture how this device or how this potential workload or payload behaves from point of entry to potentially how it interacts with the application or how that information 
information flows between all the systems and, and relevant network interfaces. So I think that's an area, Alan, where I think, you know, from an ecosystem standpoint, we're making a lot of investments as an organization and we continue to, it's very important to partner because no one's going to have the complete end-to-end journey without those ecosystem integrations. So if you think about it, if I had great integration on the network side, I was able to capture and assess the perimeter security. I'd have great understanding of the type of systems, for example, databases or cloud native systems that are actually interacting with the devices. And then I was able to understand the actual usage of that data. Um, I get a great insight into how that data could potentially be compromised. So one of the areas that we've invested is really getting more proactive machine learning models on how the data interacts, how the data should behave based on certain workloads. So a very simple example could be in peak workloads or peak you know, timings, you know, say, for example, towards um, a particular event, you know, a large scale you know, end of year celebration, you may have a peak usage of your power grid, et cetera. But you want to be able to understand what systems, what data and what essentially uh, movement of network happens across those um, systems in a standard format. So you know what peak workloads look like, you know when when you don't have peak workloads, so you're, you're really able to model. And so we have that, we've done that with application workloads. So today, Alan, we understand uh, as an organization, what type of workloads are acceptable, what type of data movements acceptable. And then we're able to predict based on your, your and this is specific to your environment. It's not just a standard. It's not just, hey, look, if you have a database workload that's peaking, that's abnormal. Of course, there may be a very good reason why it's peaking. So essentially being able to understand your contextual environment and those workloads and giving you the ability to machine learn. We, we, have, work, we have models where we learn based on that behavior. We give you good insights into potential threat analysis very, very early. And I think that's an area that continues to evolve and continues to get better because we understand more and more about potential threats. And then obviously we want to build that into the software so that customers don't have to worry about that. And we can obviously proactively notify them that you may have a dormant mal- you know, malware ransomware attack that may be currently in place that you don't even realize. So I think, again, it's an era of evolution. I think it'll continue to enhance and improve. Definitely we're making significant advance- investments around AI and, and machine learning on those data trends contextual to the customer's environment and not necessarily just a generic environment. Of course, we know thresholds generically, but we want to make them applicable to your environment to give you the most accurate uh, perspective. So I think it's a very important part of securing and protecting yourself when you think about, I have proactive insights to a potential threat that I may not be aware of. You mentioned a while ago that uh, IoT security is very broad or actually the provision of security is very broad and not everybody can deliver a complete set of solutions. What makes Rubrik an expert in IoT security? Yeah, I mean, look, ultimately, we're trying to solve the problem that you kind of alluded to here, which is how do we get better insights end to end? You know, we're trying to go across, uh, you know, a hybrid environment, you know, where it could be devices which are on prem, you know, you could have systems on prem, you could have all these systems somewhere in the cloud, right? And with the invent of 5G, you're going to see more and more of these services or devices operating in an ecosystem that's potentially in the cloud or, or, or a decentralized manner. So I think ultimately, what we're trying to focus on is, one, provide wherever applicable the integrations directly to these applications or workloads. So you don't have to work out how these application workloads behave. So we have a good understanding of how Oracle should work. We have a good understanding of how a SQL Server environment should work. We understand ServiceNow, right? So we have pre-built integration with some of the enterprise mission-critical systems, which are important for our customers as they think of protecting and securing from potential um, bad actors and, and ransomware attacks. In addition, just if you think through one of the challenges I 
kind of alluded to today was integrating with an end-to-end perspective, right? We have integrations with PA from a Palo Alto Networks, from a networks perspective. We want to be able to give you the perimeter access, and then we want to be able to bring that data in. And because we we store the metadata associated with applications, we're very aware, Alan, of the type of application and the type of data we're securing and protecting. So with that, we can actually, again, with our machine learning, understand potential workloads which are not ideal or potentially seen compromised in the way they're behaving. So we could see potentially significant amount of access to a database, which we believe would not be standard or would, would not be aligned to your historical usage patterns. So building that through our products is a very important part, you know, so we have that available. And then of course, we have pre-built applications or intel- what I call intelligent data services, where we give you insights into potential mis- um, you know, security related challenges, where they could be security data privacy, um, whether you have potentially data, which is stored in the wrong zones or locations um, and how that data sharing occurs. I mean, ultimately, what we want to provide as a company is an end-to-end perspective of securing and protecting your data. And I think the most complex part, Alan, for that, for our customers tends to be the distributed nature of applications. The distributed nature of systems today make it difficult. You can't have one policy for one area and another policy for another. So we give you that single pane where you can actually see everything across your environment with a single trusted view to understand the flow from network perimeter all the way to the actual protecting the core data. And what we say is ultimately, if you focus on protecting the data and ensuring that you protect you know, the most important asset, which is the endpoint of the data itself, the resting nature of the data, you're then able to worry less about, hey, do I have the latest you know, patches up to date? Of course, we know, and it's been proven over and over again, Alan. It's not if, it's when you'll get compromised. Our strategy is a little bit different. We're inward out. We believe if you're able to secure and protect the data, fundamentally, you know, that means you're going to be in a position to recover from some of these um, bad actors pretty quickly. Kamal, thank you for joining me on Podchats for Future IoT. Thank you, Alan, and I really enjoyed this session. That was Kamal Brar, Vice President and General Manager for Asia Pacific and Japan at Rubrik on the topic of zeroing in on securing IoT in 2022 and beyond. You are listening in to Podchats for Future IoT. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future IoT. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future IoT. Bye for now. Music